Hello, and thank you for listening to Girl Wonder. My name is Joe Rochelle, and I'm just your everyday girl talking about your favorite webtoons. The theme we're going to explore this week is jealousy. In this episode, we'll discuss how jealousy affected the latest episodes of the following webtoons. Lore Olympus, My Dear Cold-Blooded King, Siren's Lament, and Age Matters. In the description box of this podcast, I give you the start times for when I talk about each webtoon, and there's a short musical interlude between each one, so feel free to skip around and listen to the discussions of the webtoons that you love the most. And before we start, our top cities that have listened to this podcast the most in the last seven days are Cairo, Egypt, San Francisco, California, Providence, Rhode Island, Salt Lake City, Utah, and Athens, Greece. Thank you guys so much for listening. All right, let's get into it. First up is Lore Olympus, episode 65. Persephone pretty much declared her feelings for Hades to Artemis and Eros, who both have very different opposite reactions. Artemis becomes enraged, wanting to key his car and key Hades' brother's cars as well. (laughs) She storms out in what the description says is concentrated rage. While Eros takes the more comforting approach, he hugs Persephone and just empathizes with her in the moment, listening, asking questions when he needs to. They sit together on the roof and the topic of Minth comes up. Yes, Persephone is jealous of Minth because, you know, she and Hades are together. She's the one in a relationship with the guy that Persephone likes. How can she not be jealous? Eros is actually surprisingly shook by this news that Hades and Minth are together, and he almost doesn't believe it in the moment. I find that super fascinating and super interesting that he didn't know they were together, like in a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. I find it also super interesting that he had to look at Fate's book to see their relationship status to be sure. I mean, he's the god of love. Even when a crush is being declared out loud, he runs toward it like we saw in that hilarious moment um, in a previous episode, just like he did with Persephone. But we haven't seen him show any true involvement or interest in Haiti and Minth as a pair. Is it because they're not truly in love, like they don't really have crushes on each other? Or is it because they're in an off-again, on-again dumpster fire of a relationship? Eros's words, not mine, though I can't say I disagree with him. This is a perfect time for that Hades and Minth flashback that Eros tells um, Persephone about the time he last saw them together. Uh, it was really funny. I laughed out loud, and that happens so rarely in life when you're reading something, laughing out loud, but it was really funny that Hades wanted Minth to get out of the car and just go to this birthday party, but she was really mad because he insulted her outfit, which he felt was inappropriate for a seven-year-old's party, and and it was just, it, you could tell that's what their relationship is like all the time. <laughs> um, So I can't say I disagree with Eros about their on-again, off-again dumpster fire description, They are on again, off again. I don't know how much of a dumpster fire it is, but it's not like a smooth sailing relationship. One nice thing that happens for Persephone is that Eros tells her that Hades was the one that said Persephone put Aphrodite to shame. In plain English, he meant that she was beautiful more beautiful than the goddess of beauty, which is what set this whole plot into motion. 
The episode ends on Eros telling Persephone that he can sense she's not a virgin anymore and asking what happened. Corella6235 commented on this webtoon and said, Please let her have a chance to tell the truth. No more secrets or being interrupted or getting cut off. Please, oh please, let her be able to be free of the weight of this very horrible secret. Yes, I mean, I don't have fast pass, so I don't know, but it feels like the time has come for Persephone to finally, I like how Corella said it, be free of the weight of this horrible secret. Maybe she'll never truly be free of the trauma that Apollo inflicted on her, but at the same time, it is freeing to tell someone something you only have kept to yourself for a long time and not allow other people to empathize with you or comfort you or just hear what you have to say, right? It must be such a heavy burden for Persephone. I said it many, many podcast episodes ago that I really enjoy how the author, Rachel, is depicting this story of sexual assault without being too graphic or too triggering, but being very honest with what Persephone is going through. And I mean, that's why she gets interrupted or she kind of... um changes her mind about sharing with people because that's realistic. You know, if someone's been assaulted, it's not the easiest thing to tell people, especially that time when she had a chance to tell Artemis. You know how difficult that would be? That's Artemis's twin brother. But, you know, it's the people that you know in real life that are technically or typically the assaulters. It's just, it's just so realistic. So I think she did a really great job with that. And though I'm scared for Persephone, I am excited to read the next episode and just see what happens next. My Dear Cold-Blooded King, episode 105. Sticking to our theme this week of jealousy, let's talk about Ryusaki for a second. No one told him to be a peeping Tom, and even if that wasn't his intention when he went out there, he still watched Katsu and Mei from a distance as they had a breakup kiss and agreed to be friends. But from Ryosaki's point of view, they were totally getting back together and it low-key broke his heart. Scratch that. It high-key broke Ryu's heart. And so now May is approaching him to talk and he does not want to hear anything she has to say because he pretty much feels like he's been rejected. Here is how Ryusaki's jealousy manifests in this episode. One, he tries to get May to leave right off the bat. He just wants her to leave the dojo. He wants to train by himself. Two, he tries some... I don't know what to call it. I guess it's reverse psychology saying, of course, Mei would pick the prince-like Katsu over him. Him, who's the decoy, but who's actually the prince. She'd rather choose the prince-like one. Um, and he goes on and on about that. And then three, he tries the why not me tactic. Ryu literally says, why not me? And then Mei calls him a fool to his face and an idiot in her mind because that's how he's acting. But that's also why Ryusaki and Mei make a good couple. She can call him out on his BS when he's just being crazy and emotional. She can tamper it down. She can calm him down. She can slap him and set him straight. She can take off his mask and help him tell the truth. I like how they balance each other out. And tactic number four, finally, the truth. Ryu actually comes out and says, Truth be told, the only man I want you to kiss is me. 
and fangirls all over the world squeed and fainted to death. It was a really good fight. It was an argument, which is how they are. That's how Mei and Ryusaki work together. They argue and they step on each other's feelings and toes, but they are honest with each other when it comes down to it. After Mei put him in his place a little bit, you know, calmed him down, they had a really cute moment and they do end up kissing at the end of this chapter. It's the last frame, the last shot, the last drawing that we see. And I thought that was a decent end to the chapter. You know, they had that argument. He went through the misunderstanding and came out on the other side. And Michi Mochiochi commented on this webtoon and said, it's so ironic how as gentle as Katsu is, he's kissed Mei without her invitation before. But as passionate as Ryu is, he's always held himself back from kissing her. That's some deep level analysis right there because I never really truly noticed that. I did I did notice that Katsu <laughs> would kiss her without her leaning forward too much. Yes, I did notice it. Sometimes she'd reciprocate and just get carried away with her passion and feeling for him. Like that time they kissed outside for like three hours till the sunset, it felt like. But also... um. Yeah, that's interesting because Ryu is so passionate and so forward about his feelings for May, but he doesn't really force himself. He doesn't force his lips onto her lips as much as Katsu has. I thought that was an interesting thing to point out. It's probably something the author did to show us who the true, you know, companion and, and ship was this whole time. Tatu, my love, commented, I like how Lifelight, the author, used the mask as a metaphor through it. Ryu can lie to Mei and himself too, but when she challenges him to be honest, he reveals his true feelings, his fragility, his insecurity, his sweetness, and it's that moment she takes off the mask he no longer needs. You guys, these are some really good comments, really great analytical comments on this webtoon. These people should also have their own podcast, and then we could all have a podcast party, and we could talk to each other and have interviews and stuff, because I totally agree with that, and I didn't even think about how the mask is a metaphor. You know, the Blood King's mask and how Ryu was wearing it, but he wasn't really being truthful, but when he took it off, he was more truthful. Excellent analysis. So yeah, now that they've started to kiss, I'm wondering if next episode is going to be a bunch of kissing like that time she first kissed Katsu. I'm not sure what we're going to get, but I'm excited to see it next week. Siren's Lament, episode 141. We start off with a flashback of Aaliyah and her sister, though we don't quite get to see the sister's face in this flashback. The sister holds a rosebud in her hand that Aaliyah blooms using her magical power and she's really excited about it. Her sister warns her about emotions, which can be a powerful thing, a dangerous thing. And then you see Aaliyah, adult Aaliyah, saying the same thing about emotions to Ian while she gives him power. I wonder if I'm over-interpreting this a little bit or if she may have done something to Ian's emotions when she gave him Krim's power. Like maybe she stripped him of his emotions or just locked them away. What do you guys think? It's just a little theory that I have. Anyway, back to the present Ian's talking to Lyra and he's basically like, you aren't who you think you are. The person that you think you are, that's not really your identity. And of course, she's having a hard time accepting this, but 
by the time we get to the end of the episode, she pretty much comes around and is like, okay, if there's other memories in me, let's let's get them out. Let's get them out into the open. But Sean is pretty skeptical about all of this, and so am I. Like, why can't they go to where the Poseidon is and have her reveal Lyra's past or her past memories? Ian says they can't do that because they don't have that glowing amulet anymore, but I don't know. I kind of take everything Ian's doing right now with a little grain of salt, not because I don't trust Ian or don't like Ian. Of course I trust him like him so much, but he was given those glowy eye powers that Krim had before Krim was murdered. And so now I'm worried about his true allegiances and his true motives. Even if we're in his brain when he's thinking about things, I'm like, I don't know if I trust you, Ian. So, I mean, he's her new henchman. Does he know, like, why wasn't, why doesn't he know where her lair is, right? I don't know if he's being 100% honest with his friends. We talked about how last week he has not been 100% honest with his friends. So I don't know, Ian. I don't know. Anyway, in regards to our theme of jealousy, the only hint of jealousy that we get in this chapter is from Sean, maybe, who doesn't trust Ian at all right now. But Siren Sean, we've already established that he's different from human Sean. I mean, for one thing, Siren Sean's a little bit smarter than human Sean, like Ian points out in this episode. I thought that was really funny and true. You know, Siren Sean doesn't have all of human Sean's life experiences, which makes human Sean more dense due to whatever he's gone through in life. But Siren Sean, who doesn't really have any memories, is just smarter, more skeptical, a little more jaded. He's got a scar on his face. He's living that a little bit of a bad boy life, but not really. <laughs> but still, um, Siren Sean definitely has stronger deduction skills now. And I am still sure that he's a little bit jealous of Ian and his relationship with Lyra. And that probably helps him be more suspicious right now. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, we end the episode with Ian saying he might know of a way to get Lyra's memories back. He knows where to start. Maru04 commented on the webtoon saying, Okay, but Sean, why don't you just tell Lyra that Ian has Krim's eyes? That might be important. And that was in all caps. And that's something I've been thinking every time. Well, it hasn't been that long. Let's be honest, you guys. It's been like two episodes since we've seen the Krim eyes that Sean has seen the Krim eyes within Ian's eye sockets, right? It's been like two episodes. Sean might not want to mention it in front of Ian, but still, I want him to say something like, where did you get your power from? Did you run into the Poseidon? I know he's he's going to be the one to cause a rift between Lyra and Ian because of this. I just feel it in my bones. Danya Oki commented, I keep thinking Lyra's grandmama is the sister. I bet grandmama fell in love and when she was left alone, got depressed. And Lyra is the daughter of the woman Ian is in love with and was then found by grandmama. I think that's a pretty good point, you guys. That's where my theory is leading now. One thing I'm going to do when all of this Siren's Lament lore and mystery is revealed once and for all about who Lyra is, I'm going to go back to my old podcast theories and see in like episode or an issue like 15 or whenever I was covering that whole pregnant Siren fiasco when grandmama saw that pregnant siren and decided to raise the baby I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna see if I was right about my theories because I know I might not have been but this is my current theory that yeah maybe Lyra's grandmother is the sister 
that Aaliyah has been talking about this entire time. Wouldn't that be interesting? We didn't see that sister's face. It didn't look like Lyra necessarily because we only saw her hand and a little bit of her face, but not enough. So let's hope we find out next week. Last but certainly not least is Age Matters, episode 60. Daniel's phone is in the hands of Ruby, right as Rose, drunk Rose, is calling. First of all, what gives Ruby the right to answer Daniel's phone when it's ringing? She seems like a really difficult person to be around. I'm not hating on her because she's a full-fledged character and I'm sure she has a lot of different aspects of her personality, but something tells me she's a little hard to get along with. Not only did she answer Daniel's phone, and thank goodness Andrew ended that call, but she also insults Daniel's phone and calls it a cheap toy. Um, Daniel is a billionaire CEO, lady. I know you're rich too, but come on. Come on, lady. You don't have to insult Daniel at all in this scenario, but she did. And luckily, Daniel shows up and gets his phone back. Andrew calls again on Rose's behalf, mind you, and lets Daniel know that Rose is super drunk, which Daniel has experienced before, if you guys remember a couple of episodes back. So Daniel immediately tells Ruby he has to leave, even though their work isn't done and they're like literally about to walk into an important meeting. But it doesn't matter what Ruby says, Daniel is out of there. This is an emergency for him. He uses the word emergency, even though Rose is kind of okay. He still was like, this is an emergency and I have to leave. And I think this is so sweet. I like Andrew and I give him a lot of props this episode for being a gentleman, even though Rose was super flirty with him, but that wasn't really her true personality. She was just really drunk. Um, And I love how she tells him, why are you so handsome? Am I drunk? (laughs) Yes, Rose, you are. And that's the title of this podcast episode. But yes, Andrew is becoming one of my favorite characters right now. So let's talk about jealousy since that's our theme this week. Daniel shows up right before Rose is about to plant a big kiss on Andrew's mouth because let's face it, she's really incoherent right now. Daniel shows up like the boss that he is and physically pushes Rose's forehead back and away from Andrew. Yes, I think Daniel was jealous in this moment or he would have just let the kiss happen, right? And he also did a solid by saving Andrew from being kissed when he did not want to be kissed in this moment when Rose was super drunk and incoherent. So Daniel is a knight in shining armor for both of those two characters. And you can tell I like it, Daniel. He's a, he's a character that has warmed his way into my heart and I, I really do care about him. I think secretly Rose knew that Daniel is always there for her when it matters, even despite the distance that they've had lately. She knew she could count on him when it mattered, and that is why his number was the one she called when she said she needed to call a friend. And can we please have a shout out to the smile attack? I loved when Rose pulled on Daniel's cheeks to make him smile because that's not something she would do in normal life, but she does it now, of course, because she's under the influence. And it's a little, I feel like it's a little bit of fan service for us fans because we love seeing Daniel smile. And I guess Rose does too, because she pulled his cheeks trying to get him to smile. Um, So thank you, Rose, for your service in this important mission of making Daniel smile. 
Anyway, Daniel takes her home, and this totally reminded me of the time he took her home last time she got drunk at karaoke. Maybe Rose shouldn't drink, but I'm looking forward to, if it's a parallel to that experience, I'm looking forward to more sweet moments that Daniel does while she's kind of passed out and asleep. That would be great. Uh, The episode does end with her falling asleep on his shoulder. Carla Luis commented saying, Ruby is going to freak out when she finds out he skipped the meeting because of Rose. And yes, Ruby, that cheap toy is Rose's personal line with Daniel. And you don't even have that, honey. (laughs) Love that comment. It was very sassy. (laughs) And I'm excited to see what happens next week in Age Matters. And now I'd like to move on to our listener response segment. L311 answered a question I had about two weeks ago about first webtoon crushes. She said, tall, good looking, angsty, and that platinum blonde hair. Let me pause for a second on her comment, you guys. Can you guess who she's talking about? Who is tall, good looking, angsty, and has platinum blonde hair? The answer is Hades. Because he reminds her of her all-time favorite crush, Draco Malfoy. Her second webtoon crush is Charles from Let's Play. Her description is so beautiful, but sometimes shifty. And she hopes he doesn't turn out to be a bad boy in the end. I mean, it's really, it's up to Charles how he wants to treat Sam in Let's Play. Maybe he'll be a bad boy. Maybe, you know, he has those tendencies. He has a woman that he hangs out with for purely you know, sexual connection, but with Sam, it feels like more. We'll have to find out. So last week's question of the week was about genre. Are there any other genres you guys enjoy reading other than romance? Elle also responded to this one on Instagram and said, have just gotten into webtoons with Laura Olympus. So I have to say romance is my favorite genre of the moment. Sorry, I can't help you diversify. That's okay. Maybe everyone who listening is really into romance. If you guys aren't, let me know other genres you're interested in, but I just want to serve the audience I have. So that's okay. We can all love romance. Squee, build our ships. I, I have the nails. I have the hammer. I am ready to go, you guys. We are reaching the end of the podcast now where I pose a question of the week to you. What makes you guys decide to ship a couple? This is a complicated answer, but it might be simple for some of you. Here's my answer. What makes me decide to ship a couple? Sometimes it's the first person she lays eyes on when it's a webtoon character who's a female lead. The first person the lead lays an eye on. I'm into them. That's why I originally shipped Katsu and Mei for such a long time because they were kind of the first ones who had chemistry to me. Um, But you know what? If you think about it, I feel like Ryusaki had a conversation with her first now that I think about it. I should go back to my My Dear Cold-Blooded King hiatus trivia episode because I guess they were kind of together first, you know, in the brothel when he kind of thought she worked there, but then he didn't. So scrap that but that's usually what I do so like in Siren's Lament she's kind of with Sean she has feelings for Sean first so sometimes I'm more inclined to like that person first so it's like first come first serve for me but I do change my mind obviously if the main character changes her mind I'm there with her or him 
So that's how I decide how to ship a couple. What do you guys do? What makes you decide to really ship? Ride or die. Build that entire ship for a couple. What makes you do that? Let me know. You can reach out on Instagram. You can reach out on Twitter. And you can reach out through regular old-fashioned email. Whatever works for you. Just let me know what makes you decide to ship a couple. Wow, you guys made it to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to Girl Wonder. We currently have no sponsors, so here is a joke instead. Why couldn't the leopard play hide and seek? Because he was always spotted. Thank you again for listening. New episodes of Girl Wonder are uploaded on Tuesdays. I'm Joe Rochelle, and we'll talk again next week. Bye.